for any of you who may not know me, my name is Joseph, Joseph Henson. Um, my wife Mary and our kids are here on this, I don't know, whatever road this is right here. And uh, I, think, I don't think I see any new faces, so you've all seen me before. Um, but I never want to take that, just want to assume that. So I want to say hello if you're new visiting our class. Um, I did have one quick praise note uh, to add to that. I knew there was something I was forgetting. I wanted to just give thanks for, uh, well, number one, I've just heard the way people have visited uh, one another here in the class, even, uh, even yesterday. Uh, there was some visiting going on and just, just uh, people showing care for others uh, here who are part of our class. And I wanted to uh, give my own personal thanks for Jeff Potter who uh, was such a huge blessing to me this week. Last weekend, I said, hey, Jeff, I got this huge hole in my wall, and uh, can you come fix it for me? And uh, he said, well, I don't know. I'm not very good at that stuff, but I'll come over and, you know, send me a picture, and I'll come and give it a shot. So he came over to my house, I don't know what, three or four times this week. And I swear, it looks better than it was before, you know, when we moved in. He did such an excellent job. And, um, you know, I told Jeff, I was like, you know, I probably could have done this myself. It wouldn't have been nearly as good as what you've done. But I actually saw this as an opportunity for us to, to interact. And uh, so, you know, don't be afraid to, if something goes, I'm not saying that if something goes wrong in your house, call Jeff. Although, I mean, you could call him. I'm sure there's uh, five or six or seven guys in here you could call. Uh, or maybe even some ladies, I don't know, maybe some of you ladies are electricians or, I don't know, plumbers, I don't know, I don't, I don't know any female plumbers, but, uh, you know, just don't, don't be afraid to call on uh, your brothers or sisters and say, hey, can you come over and give me a hand, I've got this problem, and it it's really does, can turn into an opportunity for real, true, just, just simple fellowship and, and just honest interaction with one another. Um, you know, everything doesn't have to be a Bible study when we get together. You know, we can get together and fix a toilet, you know, or whatever it happens to be. Um, so I just, that was my praise note. Thank you, Jeff. You're a wonderful brother and, and got some skilled hands. So, all right, so uh, before we move on, uh, this morning we're going to talk about devotion to Scripture. And uh, I know in my heart that I am woefully inadequate to speak on this topic. So I want to pray and ask the Lord to help us. Our Father, we are so thankful for you. We thank you for uh, just everything that you've provided for us, your goodness, your graciousness, your care, Lord, for us. Uh, Like that old hymn says, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. Uh, So we are so very thankful. And yet, Lord, we... um, when we ponder who you are and what you've done for us, and, and if we try to understand all that, uh, there's no way for We just don't have the bandwidth. We don't have the capacity to truly, fully comprehend all that you've done and all that you are. It would be like trying to, I don't know, um, cover the sun in uh, aluminum foil. There's just no way. It's not happening. Uh, but Lord, we do ask that you would Teach us, and I pray that you would help me this morning. The, the unfolding of your words gives light, and so I pray that you would open our eyes uh, and help us to behold wonderful things in your law. I pray that you would fascinate us and re, re-fascinate us with your word, that you would recapture our imagination for all that we have in Scripture. 
and we just give you praise and thanks for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, you know, uh, if you think about the, the things I want to share with you this morning are super simple. On one hand, it's very simple. What I'm going to say to you, you're going to, you, you know, you might think, why are you going to spend all this time saying this? We already know this. It's so simple. But on the other hand, it's extremely profound. Um, so if I appreciate your patience with me and uh, walking with me through some of these texts. Um, you know, God could have created the world and just sort of wound it up like a clock and walked away, so to speak. He could have just left it and left us without any fingerprints, without any evidence that he had even been here. Um, he could have just left us in the dark as to who he was. But he didn't do that, did he? He, uh, he chose, and it was his good will, to reveal himself to his creation. And um, although he was never obligated to do that, his desire was to create a people for himself, a people that the Bible says would be holy and blameless in his presence. He didn't want to leave us groping in the dark, uh, lost forever and never being able to know him. Ephesians 1.4 says he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So we know that it was never God's purpose to just wind up the world and creation and walk away from it and let it just operate like a clock. Um, and you don't really have to go very far in the Bible to, uh, before you find God revealing himself to people. You don't have to read very far in Genesis, actually, before you, uh, you, you find God speaking to people. So what I want to do is just walk through uh, a few examples of God uh, making first contact. I like Star. Anybody like Star Trek in here? I'm a, kind of a Star Trek fan, and you know they they like you know they're always looking for first contact with new people out in the universe. I'm just kind of fascinated by that kind of stuff. Um, so here I'm going to give you a few examples of first contact between between God and His people in the Old Testament. Now you have an outline. And I, believe, I haven't looked at the outline recently, but I think that I have left some places where you could uh, fill in the blanks if you want to. Uh, I wanted you to at least have uh, uh, sort of a running ledger of the scriptures that, we gonna, that I'm going to cover this morning. And um, so you can go back if you, if you care to and, and study them further on your own. So if you look in Genesis 1, and 28, you find uh, not just as soon as God created Adam and Eve, we read this in verse 27 and 28. And God blessed them, and God said to them. God blessed them, and God said to them. So that was God's first point of contact with Adam and Eve relationally. And then there's Noah. Remember Noah. The Bible says that Noah walked with God. In Genesis 6, 9, and 13 and, and following, we read that Noah walked with God, and then you read this, and God said to Noah, God said to Noah. And then he began to give him instructions about uh, what he was uh, going to do with the flood. And then fast forward a few chapters in Genesis, you get to chapter 12, where uh, God makes first contact, so to speak, with Abram. Um, you can also, if you want to uh, make a, another note, you could write down Joshua 24, where Joshua rehearses this event between God, what, how God dealt with Abram 
uh, at the outset of their relationship. <clears throat> Genesis 12, 1 said, The Lord said to Abram. The Lord said, or the Lord had said to Abram. So there's this first contact you have God speaking to these people. In Exodus 3, 4, Exodus 3 is one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible, uh, right at the beginning. I'll read that uh, for you here. Let's go Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. Moses looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, while the, why the bush is not burned. Verse 4, And when the Lord saw that he, Moses, had turned aside to see, God called to him. God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. So we see in every instance that God speaks to his people. And then later in Exodus 21, and this was an awesome moment if you remember, the, there, uh, Moses has led God's people out of Egypt, uh, and they are uh, at this mountain called Sinai, and the mountain's erupting, and there's thunder, and there's lightning, and there's clouds, and it's, it's an awesome sight. The presence of God is manifestly there uh, in their midst, <clears throat> and... We read in Exodus 21, I mean 20, verse 1, and God, what? Spoke all these words. What's the pattern? You see a pattern? It's pretty simple. The pattern is that God spoke. God spoke. And and it's interesting to me, He spoke in a language that they could understand. Whatever that language was that He was speaking to, to Adam uh, and Eve, and to Noah and Abram. He was speaking to them in, an, in a language they can understand, and here's the big idea. God established a relationship with his people, and he guided his people, and he did it with his words. He did it with his words. God used words to, to connect with his people. So not only did God speak words, he also wrote his words. You ever think about that? God wrote his words. In Exodus 31, 18, here's what we read. And he gave to Moses, when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai. This is God. God gave to Moses, and when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai, the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone, written with the finger of God. Can you imagine that? Moses had been on the mountain for 40 days and nights with God. And what does he bring as a souvenir? Two tablets of stone that have been written with the very finger of God. And then later in Deuteronomy 9, verse 10, where God, Deuteronomy means second law, and so Moses is reiterating Uh, all these things to the people before they move into the land of Canaan, the promised land. And in Deuteronomy 9.10 says, And the Lord gave me the two tablets of stone written with the finger of God. 
And on them were all the words that the Lord had spoken with you on the mountain, out of the midst of the fire, on the day of the assembly. So not only did God speak his words, he wrote his words. That's really important. As we're going to see, it's really profoundly important that not only does God speak, he's a personal God. He writes his words as well. So Moses became the mediator, what we call the mediator of God's covenant with Israel. But he also became God's scribe or secretary, meaning he wrote down the words that God gave to him for his people. Moses wrote down the words. Exodus 24, 4. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. That's what Scripture tells us. Exodus 24, uh, verse 4. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. And at the end of, of Deuteronomy 30, uh, at the end of Deuteronomy, in chapter 31, verse 9, we read this. Then Moses wrote this law and gave it to the priests, the sons of Levi, who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and to all the elders of Israel. So not only did God write, Moses wrote the words of God. Now here's a bonus. I, I just remembered this yesterday. If you, you know, later in the history of Israel, they were going to be ruled by kings. We all, we all are aware of that. Um, king David, King Solomon, etc., etc. All the, the, the good kings and the bad kings. Deuteronomy 17 makes a provision and actually gives a stipulation for the kings. Deuteronomy 17, verse 18 and 19, actually required the new king to write out a copy of God's law for himself. Do you know that? That might be something you, you may not remember from Scripture. It's one of those things you sort of just kind of read and, and maybe don't think about. But whenever a king uh, came to rule in, in Israel or Judah, he was supposed to write down uh, and make a copy of the law, of the Torah, the, the, work, the book of Moses, the books of Moses, for himself. Okay, so Moses is writing down God's words. Who else did God speak to? He also spoke to the prophets. He spoke to the prophets and he spoke through the prophets, such as uh, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Hosea. Um, in, the, in the Old Testament, you have uh, four what we call major prophets. Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and Jeremiah. And they're called major prophets because of the body of their work. And then you have 12 minor prophets, all the rest. Micah, Joel, Nahum, etc., etc., Obadiah. And so in Hebrews 1.1, we read this. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers, how? By the prophets. God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So the prophets now we have speaking God's words. In Acts chapter 3, 21, we read this. God spoke, how? By the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Back to the Old Testament. Jeremiah 30, verse 2. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. So now, now uh, 
God is speaking directly to the prophet Jeremiah. He says, write in a book all the words that I've spoken to you. Wow. Can you imagine? The Lord God of heaven, the one who spoke and all of creation came to be, saying, all that I've spoken to you, write in a book. All the words that I've spoken to you. That, that would feel like a pretty heavy task. I mean, I would, I would get right on it. <laughs> you know, I would like not, not delay. Everything else would be set aside and I would get to writing those words. Why? Because God said them. These are no ordinary words. Ezekiel 3, when God is commissioning Ezekiel to go and uh, preach to the, the exiles. Ezekiel 3, verse 10 and 11. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, all my words. You think God cares about his words? God never spoke an idle word. He never spoke a word that he didn't care deeply about. All my words that I shall speak to you, receive in your heart and hear with your ears. And then go to the exiles, to your people, and speak to them and say to them, Thus says the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God. Um, I was talking to one of my kids last night. We were having this conversation uh, about a camp that she's gone to before. You know, you get together in these camps and you have people come together with all these different beliefs. They're all Christians. They're Christian believers, but they're coming from different denominational backgrounds. And um, uh, so we, we got into the, to, to the conversation about, well, they say this and they say this. And they say all Christians should do this and they say, no, all Christians shouldn't do that and blah, 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 back and forth and back and forth. And I, it gave me an opportunity to remind her that the, the most critical thing you can do in a moment like that, it will, is to stay calm and don't get upset and don't get fearful and defensive. But charitably and lovingly and patiently open the Bible and find out what does the Bible say, right? Which is what I'm doing with you all here this morning. We're just going and seeing what does the Bible say about God's words? What does the Bible say? Because there's an issue of authority. I have no authority in my own words. You have no, all the authority comes from Scripture. That's where the ultimate and only real authority uh, lies. So, uh, therefore, God says to, he said, told Ezekiel, go to my people and say, thus says the Lord. These are not my opinions. Ezekiel wasn't there to share his opinion or to give his commentary, political, social, and spiritual commentary on the people. He was to say, this is what God has said. This is what Yahweh has spoken to us. So what, did the, uh, what do you think the, the writings achieved? What did writing God's word uh, accomplish? Anybody want to take a stab at that? What was the, what was the, the real takeaway from God's, have, God having his word written down? A record, yes. A permanent documentation of his words. Why? Because the people that he was speaking to, 
They were going to die. And if I tell you, if I tell my wife a secret and, and she's the only one who knows the secret, guess what? When she dies and I die, the secret is gone too, right? Nobody's ever going to know unless she secretly tells somebody else and doesn't let me know about it. But you, you see what I'm saying? The, the, the words would die and disappear with the prophets if they weren't written down. So this writing stage was critical for God's people. Um, so that God's words would still live on and be available to whom? Future generations, right? To future generations. Because every generation has the responsibility and the privilege of saying, this is what God has done. This is what God has done to our younger generations. Okay? We'll see that uh, again in a little while. So that's why, that's why Paul refers to the Old Testament Scripture as what? The sacred writings. Because these are the very words of God in written form. These are the very words of God in written form. They're the sacred writings. Second Timothy, and we all are very familiar with this. Second Timothy 3, where Paul's instructing young Timothy as a pastor. He says, but as for you, continue what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. From childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then he utters these famous words. All Scripture is what? Breathed out by God. Wow. All Scripture is breathed out by God. Paul, he kind of coins a term here. He uses the, to, the word for God, theos, and then a form of pneuma, which could mean breath or, or wind or spirit. And he's saying God has breathed out. He's literally exhaled all Scripture. Think about that. What does that mean? I think about this a lot. What what does this mean that God has breathed out Scripture? What is is Paul getting at? Um, You know, as most of you know, I'm a a saxophone player. I'm a musician. I play the saxophone. And so I do a lot, of, a lot of playing and a lot of breathing. Um, so let's just say, for example, and I started to, to do this, but I was like, eh, I'm not going to ask. It might be a little cheesy. If I, if, if I just were to take out my instrument right now and play a melody for you, and I just, I just make it up off the top of my head, and I play something for you, and then I'm going to ask you a question. So just pretend I've done that. And now I'm going to ask you, where did that melody come from? What would you say? Okay, it came from my mind. But where else did it come from? More immediately. Okay, my heart came from my heart. Where else? Well, I used my mouth because I'm holding a saxophone and I got this mouthpiece and I'm blowing into this instrument. So where did it come from? Where did the sound come from? From what? My breath? Okay, you're getting close. What if I didn't have the saxophone in my hand? Would you hear the melody? 
you would not. The sound came from the instrument. It came out of the saxophone. But where else did it come from? It came out of my mind and out of my heart. And I breathed into this instrument. And out came this amazing, glorious melody. (laughs) At least I would hope that it would be amazing and glorious and memorable. It's not either, it's both. But the melody had its origin in my heart and mind. It came from me. I used the instrument. And you remember also Peter, he said, these holy men, they, they, flesh, flesh and blood doesn't, fallen men can't come up with scripture. These men wrote and they spoke as they were what? Carried along by the Holy Spirit. Very similar idea to what Paul said when all scriptures breathed out by God. And it also reminds us of when, when God, what, when, how, did he, how did he bring Adam to life? He breathed the breath of life into Adam. And that's what Scripture does to us. It's like breathing in God's breath of life. Um, So these words have their origin in God's heart and mind. They are His words. They belong to Him. Just like that melody came from my heart and mind, That melody belonged to me as mine. It's mine. And I gave it to you. Right? Which is what all musicians should want to do. They should want to to love to to share the sound with people who would listen. And these words carried God's power and His authority just as if He were right there present speaking them in person. So, God spoke and wrote His words. Then the prophet spoke and wrote His words. And then by His sovereign goodness, He has preserved... Now, that, that is so important. I, 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 I don't even know if I want to go any further than that. He's preserved these sacred writings for us. I'm going to pause right there. He spoke. His words were written. And He's preserved them. For us. That is a beautiful thought. That thought fascinates me. I'm fascinated by the thought that the God of, the, of all creation would secure His own words for me, have them written down, and preserve them for generation after generation after generation after generation. Why? Why would he do such a thing? So we could know him. Because he's chosen us before the foundation of the earth. That we should be holy and blameless in his sight. And so we could know him. Um, in the New Testament, I'm speaking primarily from the Old Testament this morning, but the New Testament is the same. Uh, make a note of John 14, 26, where Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's telling them he's going to go, he's going to leave. He's going back to the Father. 
And they're worried. They're scared. They're, that raises so many questions for them and brings up so much anxiety for the apostles, for the disciples. But he reassures them in this way in John 14, 26, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And this is key. This is key in the, in the development and the writing of the New Testament and the preservation of the New Testament for us. And bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. That's really important. I'm so glad that Jesus said that. <laughs> I mean, aren't you? I'm so happy that he told his disciples that the Holy Spirit was going to come and that he was going to teach them all things and bring to their remembrance all that he said to them. Because he said a lot of important stuff. Jesus did. Wouldn't you say? Um, now, there, there's, there's so much more that can be said about that. That's, that's an entire semester and an entire lifetime of study. But here's what I really want you to feel this morning. All this, all this stuff, I want to just say this. This book that we have is not just any old book. This is, this is not just any old book. We may have five of them on one shelf, six on another shelf, ten upstairs, three under the bed, two or three in the bathroom, which is not a bad idea. This is not any, just any old book. This is not the Book of Mormon. This is not the Quran. This is not uh, the New York Post. This is, these are the sacred writings. These are the sacred writings. God has preserved for us all of these words that He spoke, that He's spoken. And that He continues to speak to us. Isn't that amazing? That fills my heart with uh, zeal and energy, as it should you. You know, they say that familiarity breeds contempt, right? And it's true. We We have an embarrassment of riches as Christians. We have so many Bibles... We have so many versions. We have so many copies. We've got so many study Bibles. We, we have so many resources. But don't get too familiar with that. Don't let that lull you to sleep on the fact that these are the sacred writings. This is the holy book. Because its source is holy. These words are holy because God is holy. These words are sacred because God is sacred. Isn't that glorious? I hope that that fills your soul. I hope. And these words, they connect us to Him. God reveals Himself to us. Through these words. Can you imagine having a relationship with God without the Bible? 
How can we, how can we know Him? How can, let me ask it this way. How can we love someone that we don't know? I never loved the person that I never knew. It's hard for me to, to walk up to someone and say, I love you. Now, I, I can as, as, as the Holy, with the love of the Holy Spirit, but not with in, sense, in the sense of a personal relationship. How can we love and have a personal relationship with someone we don't know? But we can know Him. We can know Him. We can know His mercy. Why? Because these words tell us about Him. We can know His grace. We can know His patience. We can know His steadfast love and His commitment to us. We can know His holiness. We can know His power. We can know His sovereignty. We can know that we don't have to be afraid. Right? We can know the end of the story. We can know how things are going to be. Why? Because we have the sacred words. I want to show you guys something. Um, It's going to be hard for me to get through this next part. This is how I want to feel about Scripture. I have this book. You know what's in this book? These are, uh, so, before, um, before Mary and I, after we got engaged, we had a long-distance relationship. She was in South Carolina, and I was in Texas. And this was uh, before email. It was before cell phones. It was before texts and all that stuff. This was back in the days of pencil and paper. Oh, the glorious, the good old days, right? This book has all the letters that she wrote to me. Every single one of them are right here. Now, I didn't do this because I'm not this organized. She did this for me. Uh, They're all in these little plastic holders. Dear Joseph, September 27, 1994, 10.40 a.m. That's how organized she is. October 3rd, 1994, 8.25 p.m. It's filled with all these letters. I love these letters. You know why I love these letters? Because she wrote them. And I love her. They reveal her heart for me. I know who she is because she wrote it down in these words. These are kind of sacred words to me as well. They're not breathed out by God. But I love these words. They tell, they remind, they'll never let me forget where we came from. How we committed to one another to serve the Lord for as long as He would let us together. I love those words because I love her. How much more do I want to love these words right here? I want to love these words. I want you to love these words. You want to love these words. And we all struggle. It, our, our, our life 
of spiritual maturity doesn't look like this. It's not, that is not it at all. It's going to ebb and flow. But these words will remain sacred for all eternity. And there will remain for us for as long as we live on this earth. Isn't that beautiful? We might change. Our, our affections might cool for God, for Jesus. But His affections will never cool for us. Because I read about it right here. You are loved with an everlasting love and underneath are the everlasting arms. That's beautiful. So, devotion. That's what we're talking about. We're supposed to be talking about devotion. Where does devotion come from? Where does our devotion to Scripture come from? Our devotion comes from devotion to the one who wrote them. That's what I want to say. Our devotion for Scripture flows out of our devotion to Christ. It's an overflow of my devotion to Him. He loves me. I know that. He saved me. You know that. You know that He saved you. If, if you. if God saved you, you know that. You know that He saved you. He sustains us. He's everything. He is. And He wants me to know Him. Not just know about Him, you see. We can go to seminary and learn about God. You can, you can, you know, you can read, actually, a lot of this really comes down to our heart. And that's where I want to, you know, I hope that this is speaking to your heart and your affections. Because we can read the Bible every day. You can read the Bible 24-7 and your heart be as hard as stone. The devil can quote scripture. The demons believe and they tremble. R.C. Sproul used to say, they got one up on us. They believe and they tremble. The Word has the power to change my heart. And depending on the heart that I bring to the Word, there's, that's going to determine what kind of interaction happens. Um, but these are God's sacred words, and He wants us to feel the depth of His mercy for us. He wants to know the depths of His grace to us and then be moved to love and worship Him. Here's here's a thing that I I really appreciate. A little motto. That theology must lead to what? Doxology. If theology does not lead to doxology, which is praise and worship and adoration, then something's gone wrong. Because God hasn't given us these words just to study as a doctrinal statement or as a matter of fact. They are intended to move us to worship Him. And all that starts when we encounter Him over and over in Scripture. His words are powerful to change us and to give us a heart to love Him and worship Him. So I want to spend just the the remaining few moments I have just reading some select scriptures. And so, um, just listen. Just listen as I read. 
And, and my prayer is that God will use not only what I've said here through His Word, uh, my prayer is that He would use us, He would use these words to, to speak to us and stimulate in us a fresh desire and a, and a, and a renewed sense of devotion to Him and to His Word. Now, next week, we're going to get super practical. We're going to talk about habits that we can form. We're going to talk about ways to get, get ourselves into Scripture and to get Scripture into us. So, so I'm looking forward to that. It's going to, be, it's going to be different. It's going to feel different than today. Um, today, really, I just want to speak to your affections. I want to speak to your emotions. I want to speak because God is concerned about how we feel about Him. Uh, habits are a matter of the will. And the will oftentimes is driven by our affections, Jonathan Edwards says. So that's, that's what next week, I'm super excited about that. Um, but I'm just going to close with some readings from Scripture. We'll start with Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Wait, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get through all this. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart, You commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up or I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. Lead me, Lord, in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. 
Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your word. For I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love. I will meditate on your statutes. This is my comfort and my affliction, that your promise gives me life. The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. At midnight I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Those who fear you shall see me and rejoice because I have hoped in your word. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Listen diligent to me and eat what is good. And delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall, seek, uh, shall succeed in the thing for which I send it. And then finally, thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you will build for me? And what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit, and who trembles at my word. Lord, thank you for these words. We thank you for these sacred writings. And I pray that you would stir up in our souls a new and fresh longing and desire and devotion and allegiance and fascination with 
your words. Father, I pray that you would work in the souls of our, my dear brothers and sisters here, in our hearts, Lord. Or may your word be active this week with us and in us. And then when we come together again next time, I pray that you would just be very clear and practical with us about how and what we can do to get ourselves into your word even more and your word into our hearts. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.